0: Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned in to the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey, everybody, this is your host, Andre Cherry, and you are listening to the Cherry Picking Podcast, which is presented by the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. And on today's episode, I want to do something a little different and to transition us through each segment of my show today, I'm going to play this soundbite. This soundbite will transition us from segment to segment. And I do that in an attempt to make this as streamlined as possible. I want to have a weekly podcast and I want to have a forum and a space to speak with you guys about college football. But then I also want to make sure I'm, I'm moving you through the podcast in the most efficient way possible. And I do this because I know time is valuable. Time is precious. And I don't like long podcasts. I think the research is out, you know, podcasts that range from like 30 to 50 minutes. That's really the bread and butter. So I want to have short condensed podcasts so that you guys can listen to this on your commute. You can listen to this while you're shopping at the grocery store or even working out on the elliptical at the gym. And so it's just something new that I want to try for this podcast. And we'll see if it'll work going forward. So with that said, so if we take a look at how I did for week three with my power five locks in the ACC, I lost this matchup. I had BC over Kansas. Kansas went on the road up to Boston College and embarrassed the Eagles by a score of forty eight to twenty four. And with that victory, Kansas broke a forty eight game road losing record versus power five teams, which spanned eleven years. So that's real solid victory for the Kansas Jayhawks. I honestly didn't think that they would win. At BC, I don't think anyone predicted that. So I get the loss, and over a 1,000 yards of combined total offense was put up in this game from these teams collectively. So apparently BC's defense was nowhere to be found during this matchup because the Eagles allowed Kansas to rush for over 329 yards with three touchdowns. 329 yards of rushing in this game put up by the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, that Kansas Jayhawks team that has been perennial losers for over the past decade or so. They came in to Boston College on the road and put up 329 yards rushing with three touchdowns. That's embarrassing. That's something that you do to an FCS opponent. But Kansas did this to Boston College. And yes, the ACC is down this season, no doubt about that. But Boston College was a team out of the ACC Atlantic that you would have thought would be pushing for maybe uh, second or third place within the Atlantic. I mean, with how the ACC is kind of shaping out to be early this season, BC may have had a chance to to rival, you know, the second best team in the ACC, which at this point, I don't really know who, who it is in the, in the Atlantic division, but they got embarrassed point, point blank. They got embarrassed by Kansas. BC's running back A.J. Dillon, he's, a, you know, he's got a lot of Heisman hype to his name. He had a great game rushing with 27 carries for 151 yards and one touchdown. And that may have been the only bright spot for BC in this game, honestly. Um, but a loss is a loss nonetheless, and I lost this weekend in the ACC. In the Big Ten, my lock was Ohio State over Indiana. Ohio State decimated Indiana 51-10. to 10. No surprise there. And I saw something on Twitter that the attendance for this game at Indiana, in Bloomington, Indiana, was fairly low, which I I guess makes sense. Who wants to pay Big Ten prices to see Indiana just get embarrassed at the hands of Ohio State? I, I don't. I wouldn't want to, honestly, if I was a student or a fan. But a good victory for me nonetheless. And then in the Big 12, I had Oklahoma over UCLA. Oklahoma traveled to the Rose Bowl in this contest against UCLA and Chip Kelly's Bruins, and they get the victory, forty-eight to fourteen. They continue to roll on. They haven't really faced that big of a challenge just yet. Oklahoma has a bye this week, but UCLA is pretty bad. They are god awful, and Chip Kelly. I'm predicting to lose his. He'll lose his job before the end of this season. I just I don't see any hope for UCLA. I really don't then in the Pac-12 I got my second loss uh within my Power 5 picks with USC losing to BYU by a score of 30 to 27. This game was pretty evenly matched for the most part. This went to overtime and and USC ended up losing by a field goal. So that really hurts and BYU continues to uh to get these wins kind of at the last last minute here. Like BYU gets these late game wins and you know hats off to the BYU Cougars for getting a solid win over USC a program that i had written off after JT Daniels had gone down but they had won at Stanford and i would have thought that they could have beaten BYU but BYU uh, gets the gets steals a victory from the USC Trojans so USC will have to regroup they have a short week they play Utah on Friday but you can't write USC off just yet i think this team has Stepped up and is playing inspired ball, and so I'm really curious and excited to see what they do against the Utah Utes on Friday. And then in the SEC, I had Florida over Kentucky, and now if you recall, last year, Florida actually had its 31-year win streak snapped against the Kentucky Wildcats last season. And so I was I was thinking that Florida would blow Kentucky out. Obviously, I mean they're that's a long streak and you know, no one wants to be embarrassed which Kentucky was, but Florida I thought would come back and avenge that loss this season, which they ended up doing by a score of 29 to 21. A little bit closer than I would have imagined. Felipe Franks, the quarterback for the Gators, hasn't looked that great. He hasn't looked that good rather. Maybe that's better. Better word, good. He certainly hasn't been great. He hasn't looked good. He's been adequate at best. He actually went out and got hurt in this game. And I just uh, heard news today that Felipe Franks has been ruled out for the season. So I hope that young man is able to uh, come back next season healthy and and ready to go. And I hope he has a, a speedy recovery. But, you know, Felipe Franks has not impressed me at all. And, you know, maybe with him not being in the picture now, the Gators can game plan a little bit differently and, and move forward in a different way. But Felipe Franks really, I felt, was kind of holding the Gators back, at least in the first game of the season against Miami. They got the win, but he hasn't looked that well. He he didn't look good. And so Florida gets the win, 29-21. to 21. But I'm I'm worried because I have Florida winning the SEC East this season, and I'm worried that they may not do that because they haven't looked as an, as impressive as I thought they would. Um, considering all the players they have coming back, I would have thought that they would have looked a lot better than they have thus far, but it's still pretty early in the season, and things can change from week to week, as we've seen. So I'm keeping my eyes on Florida, I guess is all that I want to say there, but I get the victory there in the SEC. So overall, I went 3-2 and two for my... Power five locks through week three. Overall, I'm 13 and two, which brings me to 87% accuracy in picking my locks for the week. And I round up, just so you know. But yeah, those are my locks from week three. If we look at my week four locks in the ACC, I'm taking Virginia over Old Dominion. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Nebraska over Illinois. Illinois scored 17 points in the first quarter of their game against Eastern Michigan, but then were shut out for two quarters. The offense did not score any points for two quarters of the game, but then in the fourth quarter they rallied and scored fourteen points. But it it would not be enough as Eastern Michigan would hold on to win that ball game by a score of thirty four to thirty one. U of I is a program that I pay some attention to just because Lovey Smith is the head coach. i I'm, I'm a big fan of Lovey Smith and I appreciate what he did as the head coach of the Chicago Bears. I'm from Illinois. I'm not really a U of I fan if I'm being honest, but I'm really curious to see what Lovey can do with this program. Lovey Smith is a good coach. I'm just gonna say that he. I think he's a really good coach. He's a players' coach. Um, coming into this season, I thought that U of I would win six games. I thought they would win six games on paper. If you if you look at their schedule, I plotted out six games that they could win and become bowl eligible for the first time in a long time. Eastern Michigan was one of those games that I had pegged as a victory for U of I. Without the victory to Eastern Michigan, that's a loss. That puts them at five wins, possibly, for this season, in my eyes, doing my predictions. So five wins is not good enough to get to get you to a bowl, bowl game, and I'm a little nervous because I don't know where that sixth win will come on their schedule, and... You know, losing to Eastern Michigan the way that they did, they were shut out for two quarters. The offense could not score any points. It, that's uh, troubling. That's really troubling. And I'm worried for this program. I'm worried that they're not going to make it to a bowl game this season. And I'm worried for Lovey Smith's future if that's the case. U of I is ready to go to a bowl game, they are ready to be somewhat relevant. In the Big Ten West, so they needed that victory. That's all I'm saying. And this week, I'm picking Nebraska over Illinois as my Big Ten lock for this week. In the Big 12, I'm taking West Virginia over Kansas. West Virginia beat my NC State Wolfpack last weekend. They weren't favored to do that. Um, I didn't predict them to do that. But with NC State, if you're an NC State fan, it's more of a wait-and-see approach. My heart's been broken too many times by NC State, football and basketball, for me to believe that they're going to go on the road to West Virginia and pull off the victory like they should. They played a pretty easy first two weeks of the schedule. They lost to West Virginia. And I just, I I guess I'm back. My expectations have come down to reality. I thought NC State was the second best team out of the ACC Atlantic Losing to West Virginia the way that they did, it doesn't really have me inspired to believe that they're going to be the second best team out of the ACC this season, at least in the Atlantic division. Certainly it's, it's still early in the season, but that's a win that they needed. You need these wins to build confidence and to have people believe that you're going to be relevant within your conference. The ACC is down this season. No doubt. No doubt about that. But for A team like NC State to really push ahead, they needed to win against West Virginia. It would have been a solid victory, a solid Big Ten victory, a Power 5 team. Welcome to heartbreak. A really great thing to have on their resume, and they didn't get it. So welcome to heartbreak. But I'm picking West Virginia over Kansas this week. Then in the Pac-12, I'm taking Washington State over UCLA. And then in the SEC, I'm taking LSU over Vandy. So let me run those back for you one more time my week four power five locks in the ACC Virginia over ODU in the big 10 Nebraska over Illinois in the big 12 West Virginia over Kansas in the PAC 12 Washington State over UCLA and then in the SEC LSU over Vandy. So real quick I want to review some of the games that were played in week three action and there were several interesting matchups in week three including a game that took place within my backyard at the Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia we had Maryland versus Temple. And honestly, Maryland's put up so much offense in the first two seasons. I think they had the best uh, number one offense uh, within FBS that I was a little a little worried. And, and um, I, I thought that Temple wouldn't have enough defense to slow down Maryland's high scoring and high powered offense, especially after the way Maryland just dismantled Syracuse a couple of weeks ago. But boy, was I wrong. I was wrong big time. Josh Jackson, the quarterback for Maryland, had a pretty bad game. It was not not what we're used to seeing from Josh Jackson early in the season. He went 15 for 38 for 183 yards and one touchdown, one interception. Anthony Russo for Temple went 20 for 37, 277 yards to the air, three touchdowns, one interception. As a team, both teams kind of rushed uh, around the same amount. Um, 150 yards rushing for Temple. Maryland rushed for 161 yards. But really the thing to call out in this game was defense was in full effect for Temple on Saturday. As there were two drives within the red zone. And they just stopped Maryland within their tracks. Each of those two drives. And so Temple's defense is going to be one of the, the key spots of this team this year. I mean, we all knew that coming into this season, but the way that they held their own against Maryland, number 21 ranked Maryland. I think Temple is going to be a legit force out of the AAC this season. I initially predicted them to win six games this season in Rod Carey's first year as the head coach, but I think they're in line for many more wins than just six. And I think that they may be pushing for the AAC crown this season, which would be awesome for Temple and and Philadelphia. But Maryland came into this matchup ranked number 21 in the AP. That's the first time they've been ranked within the AP Top 25 since 2013. And I guarantee you that'll be the last time they're ranked within the AP this season because they did not show up at all. They looked pretty bad. And I am sorry to Temple for rooting against them and, and picking against them this week in my picks. I definitely won't do that again. Then we had the UNC versus Wake Forest matchup, and this game was actually a pretty good watch towards the end of the game. Wake Forest had a nice little lead on UNC, I believe, prior to, the, uh, prior to halftime. But then UNC came back, and they actually almost had a chance to win this game. Um, they had the ball with, I think, under a minute left to go in, in this game against Wake Forest. But due to some poor time management skill and clock management, UNC was unable to really put on much of a drive at all, and so Wake Forest would hold on to win the game. But I've been really impressed with UNC thus far in the first, you know, three weeks of the season. They're two and one, which is a lot better than I thought they'd be at at this point in the season. So, um, you know, hats off to Mac Brown, and I think this team is playing inspired ball this season. And I'm sure this won't be the last time that we hear of UNC victories or of Mac Brown dancing in locker rooms somewhere. Another good game was Iowa versus Iowa State. They're always a fun watch, honestly despite the fact that Iowa has now won the last five meetings between these two schools. I really was high on Iowa State in this game. I thought that they would win this game. And I I don't know if the weather delay had any impact on Iowa State once the game resumed, but I thought that the hypeness and all the excitement of College Game Day being on campus, playing your in-state rival, you want to beat them because it's been four straight years that you've lost to Iowa I thought Iowa State would do it. Unfortunately, they fell flat and they lost this game. And I I lost this game as well because I predicted Iowa State to win. But there's always next season, I guess. Now, if I look forward to games that I'm looking forward to for Week 4 action, Utah versus USC, I'm looking forward to that because Utah is a team that I have predicted to go to the college football playoffs. I know the Pac-12 seems kind of down right now. But Utah is a team that's undefeated. They're ranked number 10 in the nation right now so if they continue stacking these wins they will definitely play themselves into a situation where they need to be considered or should be considered to go to the college playoffs so i think they have a really pivotal matchup against usc on friday night and i'm not overlooking usc i am not at all that game actually scares me if i'm being honest the next game that we have on the list is louisville versus florida state i was really impressed with louisville uh in their week two matchup against notre dame and they hung around for much of that game. Long, a lot longer than I thought they would against a high-powered Notre Dame team. And I'm worried because I think Louisville can beat Florida State. And if Louisville beats Florida State, the Seminoles will fall to 1-3 on this season. Can you guys think of the last time that Florida State started its season at 1-3? Well, you don't have to think too, too far because it was 2017. So they opened up with Alabama and they had the starting QB, Francois, got knocked out of that game, if you remember. They also lost to NC State that season and Miami, but they beat Wake Forest to start the season 1-3 and three in 2017. But prior to that, the most recent was 1976, which was Bobby Bowden's first season in Tallahassee. He went 1-3 to start the season for Florida State. And I'm not trying to make comparisons to Bobby Bowden. I'm not trying to say that Willie Taggart is the next Bobby Bowden. Because we all know what happened to Bobby Bowden's career after that 1-3 and start. He went on to have a very successful tenure as the head coach at Florida State. Won a national championship. He's considered one of the best college coaches to ever have have coached college football. So I'm not saying that he's going to have that type of success. Because honestly, I don't know that he'll make it out of this season if they go 1 and 3 to start the season. I think he has a tremendously hot seat in in Tallahassee and I'm concerned if he loses that game they're going to people are going to want him out before the end of the season. And if they lose this game I I just don't feel confident that he'll be there for the entire season because at Florida State, you know, if you're not going to make it to a national championship, at least you can fall back on the fact that you know, you've had you had this long bowl streak, uh, this long streak of going to bowl games, and that got snapped last season. So I think that freaks some people out. There's pandemonium down there in Tallahassee. People aren't aren't as excited about where this program's headed. And I think a one in three start would be very bad for Willie Taggart and the Seminoles this season. Because some people predicted Florida State to be greatly improved this year in the Atlantic Division. I think I have them pegged to go third place in the division, which is not to say that they can't do it, but I haven't seen enough on paper and I haven't seen enough game uh, game tape of Florida State to believe that they will turn their season around, and it's only the fourth week. So, I, you know, just something I wanted to throw out there, and, and I want to thank Pick 6 Previews. They have great information. They're a great follow on Twitter. You can find them at Pick 6 Previews. And I want to thank them for giving me that information about Florida State. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely worried about them this weekend. And Louisville could definitely win that game. Then we have Michigan versus Wisconsin. Honestly, I like Wisconsin in this game. If they're able to be successful at running the ball, which they have been for the first two weeks of the season, first three weeks of the season. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, he's averaging close to 119 yards per game. And he scored five touchdowns already. He's a Heisman favorite for some folks. I think if they can run the ball effectively they have a shot to win in this game against Michigan Michigan did not impress me during that army game a couple weeks ago so I'm I'm really really worried and I know people want to anoint Michigan as the winner this season but they've got a tough road to go Nebraska versus Illinois I'm not really a believer in Illinois anymore I'm picking Nebraska I'm just really worried about Lovie Smith and his Illinois fighting Illini this season Eastern Michigan was a game that they needed to win, and they didn't get it, and so I just don't feel that Nebraska will um, just fall to U of I this weekend. Nebraska, they got a blowout victory against NIU this past weekend, so I think Nebraska's riding high, and so I'm taking Nebraska in that game, and I think it's a game definitely to, to watch. I mean, I would love to see Illinois beat Nebraska because Nebraska's getting so much love and so much hype that I think is undeserved. But they do play a very easy schedule. So for that reason, I'm picking Nebraska. And then Oklahoma State versus Texas. This is going to be a whole lot of offense in this game. So if you like offensive football, you're going to want to watch Oklahoma State versus Texas. So on the season thus far, points per game. Oklahoma State scores 49.3 points per game. Texas scores 43.7 points per game. Oklahoma racks up. 547 total yards per game compared to Texas's 497.7 yards per game. Uh, there's going to be a lot of stars in this matchup. If you like Sam Ellinger for Texas, uh, Chuba Hubbard, the running back for Oklahoma State. I think he actually leads all FBS in rushing yards right now at 521 yards rushing, seven touchdowns. Receiving leaders, Tylen Wallace for Oklahoma State leads the entire FBS with 15 receptions for 390 yards and 6 touchdowns. So there's going to be some fun. This is going to be a fun game to watch. I hope you guys have a nice beverage and maybe some popcorn and are able to watch from home or maybe you're going to go to that game. That's going to be a fun, fun matchup for real. And then there's also Notre Dame versus Georgia. I'm picking Georgia. Auburn versus Texas A&M. I think Auburn has the edge in that matchup. So those are just some of the games that I'll be watching this weekend week three was wild and crazy. I think week four is going to be awesome. So I hope you guys enjoy that. So last week, the state of California passed a bill that would allow college athletes to make money off of his or her own name, likeness, and image. This was a pretty landmark bill that passed in California, in the California State Senate, which is called the Fair Pay-to-Play Act, It doesn't go into effect until 2023, but it's a huge step forward in uh, giving players and athletes, college athletes, their rights to make money off their own likeness. I actually think this is a great move, and I think hopefully the nation will adopt this, you know, state by state will uh, come to enact this same sort of legislation and sign this same bill into order. But I, I can't see how you could be against this. Why, why not give these college athletes the opportunity to make money off of his or her own likeness? When it comes to college football, people love college athletics. They're, people love jerseys, you know? Tim Tebow, a guy that I'm about to talk about here, he had one of the most popular jerseys when he was an athlete at the University of Florida. I think he said it, it was like Kobe Bryant and then LeBron James and then it was Tim Tebow. We're talking those are NBA guys and Tim Tebow is a college athlete. And he had one of the most popular jerseys in the entire world, which is, that's amazing and such a great privilege. And privilege is a word I want to stick with because Tim Tebow comes from privilege. And essentially he came out on ESPN last week and just voiced his opinions for why he's against this bill and why he feels it turns we into me. And I'll read you some of what he said on air last weekend on ESPN. And essentially he said, and I quote, I know we live in a selfish culture where it's all about us, but we're just adding and piling it on to that. Where it changes what's special about college football, he said on Friday. We turn it into the NFL where who has the most money, that's where you go. Uh, He also said, if I could support my team, support my college, support my university, that's what it's all about. But now we're changing it from us from being an alumni where I care, which makes college sports special, to then, okay, it's not about us. It's not about we. It's just about me. And he, he's deservedly so. He's drawn a lot of criticism from former athletes and other uh, folks that are around the sport and just people in general, that that's the wrong viewpoint to have on this topic. And I think he had made these, these comments on ESPN's first take, which is a hot take show which is so popular nowadays. And so it's, that's a hot take to be against what's right, to be against what's fair for everyone. He comes from privilege. So maybe he doesn't need the money. Maybe he doesn't need uh, the revenue generated from his jerseys or whatnot. But for many people who are in college uh, that come from less ideal backgrounds or less, um, less similar backgrounds than Tim Tebow, they need that money. And they they don't need it just for themselves. They they need it for their families and their mothers. It's unfortunate that the system, the NCAA, exploits players. It exploits its athletes. In in a perfect world, if you romanticize with the idea of what college athletics should be, you you earn a four year scholarship. You have the right to play basketball and football uh, on scholarship for whatever program or university that you're attending. And then after that, you go on to lead a successful life, whether that's in the workforce or if you're fortunate enough to become a professional paid athlete, then you go on to that avenue. But for many, many athletes, that's not the situation. College athletics is very demanding and they, you don't really have the schedule to pursue all your academic endeavors that, you, you know, that you'd want Sometimes you're on a track where you have to take certain classes and have a certain schedule and it may not match up with what you expected college, your college experience to be like. So he says, you know what? I don't want the money. It's not right because it turns it from us to, to just about me. You know, that's a really extreme viewpoint to have. And honestly, I'm a little offended that he came on air and said that because Tim Tebow has a huge following and the fact that he came out against this just makes me question where his interests really lie. This could have been a great opportunity for Tim Tebow to come out and speak against the NCAA and to really advocate for his, you know, former brothers and sisters who are college athletes right now. And if you, you know, if they have an opportunity to make money off their jerseys, why not allow them that right to make money? Everyone else can make money. If I was a regular college athlete or college student i could make money off of my own likeness if there was a a market for it there's no rules prohibiting me from doing that what's so wrong with making money off of your own jersey sales or making money off of ncaa football that game was is widely popular even though it hasn't been out for several years now they haven't come out with a new edition that game is very popular and there is a market for it people want that game to come back well, if you want that game to come back, you should definitely be for college athletes making money off of their own likeness. It's unfortunate that Tim Tebow is against that, but he's he has that opinion. I mean it's his right, but I, I just don't think it's a, a a good one. It's not a good opinion to have. When this story came out, it this actually made me remember and and think back to when Terrell Pryor got in trouble for selling is I think a sportsmanship award from the 2008 Fiesta Bowl along with a Big Ten championship ring. And then he also sold a gold panch trinket, which is an iconic charm given to players who are part of a victory over Michigan. And so as a result, he, I think he was uh, he had to pay back like $2,500. And then I think the players also had to sit out of the bowl game. Jim Trestle eventually got fired for that uh, that whole scandal. But what really stuck out to me about that situation was that Terrell Pryor said that he sold those items because he wanted to help his mother. And so when you think about it like that, it's like, man, these kids are just trying to help their families survive. They're trying to help their families pay rent or help their families with the groceries. And the only way that they could do that is to sell these items that have a lot of value because they really can't work a job as a college athlete. That is your job. When do they have the time to help their families? And they're just trying to to do what's right for their families, the people that raise them. And the NCAA is saying, no, 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 you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. And when you think about it like that, it really puts puts this uh, California state ruling into perspective. It's not just about banking money. This is not a Johnny Manziel type thing where he also comes from privilege and he'd be banking money. Like, he, he, he's not without. He is not a guy that is without. But players like Terrell Pryor, who are, really could benefit from this ruling. And eventually, hopefully, the NCAA wise, wises up and changes their, their rules on college athletes making money for their likeness. And maybe one day paying college athletes to play college football. It's just there's another side to it. There's always another side to a story. And Tim Tebow has these views that are against players making money. But is he really thinking about the other side of that? Where he has teammates who maybe are as less fortunate as he is? Who have parents and families that are unable to keep the lights on every day and keep their electricity running? Tim Tebow certainly was not thinking about it because had he been he wouldn't have come out with those comments. So I I really am disappointed that he came on the air and said those comments because I think he really did a disservice. He could have had a great opportunity to really push this thing forward. And yet, here he is on ESPN, a suit, talking about he's against it. I was just really ashamed and disappointed in Tim Tebow. All right, now if we look at my playoff tracker before we get out of here for week four, LSU is in my playoff tracker. LSU is number four in the AP poll. They won last week by a score of 65-14 over Northwestern State. No surprise there. This week, they traveled to Nashville to play 0-2 Vanderbilt. So I suspect another victory for the LSU Tigers. And then for number one, Clemson, they scored 41 points over Syracuse this past weekend they now host Charlotte in week four. They'll get another easy win. They likely won't have much in the way of them making the ACC championship game and the playoffs this season, honestly. And then we have number five, Oklahoma. They won 48-14 to over UCLA. They have a bye this week. And then my last team within the playoff tracker is number 10, Utah. I think they actually moved up a spot from last week. They were uh, number 11 in the AP poll. They blanked Idaho State 31-0. to this week they travel to LA to face two and one USC, and that's going to be a Friday night game. I'm really pumped to watch that game, and like I said before, I would not, I would not count USC out of that. That's going to be a fun one. I just I have a I have a feeling that could be a really close matchup. So uh, yeah, there we have it. That's my playoff tracker, and we will continue to track these teams as we move forward each week in the college football season. So, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Cherry Picking Podcast Show. Week 3 was wacky, it was wild, it was zany. Week 4 is going to be a lot of fun as well. And I hope you guys have fun watching college football all weekend long. And I know I cannot wait to talk to you guys next week. If you want to reach out, you know how to find me. And again, I hope you guys have a great weekend. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care, guys. (laughs) Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Pickin' Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickinsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin'. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find the link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at sherrypickensports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support. and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.